Super Bowl champion. Iverson steps over to Ron Lewis. him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. From Lancaster to Levittown, Allentown to Hokessin, Philly sports is a way of life, and we've got you covered. This is the Dell Valley Sports Pod. Yes, it is. This is the Dell Valley Sports Pod, and your Philadelphia Eagles are in deep shit. Another absolute clunker, this time in Dallas, where they always seem to get blown out. We were holding on to a little bit of hope after the Niners game. Maybe they can turn it around. Maybe last the two weeks ago was a fluke. Maybe they can turn it around and get hype up until Dallas. And they looked just as bad, if not worse, this week than the week before. And Dan, I am extremely concerned. Surely, surely, if there's any week in which the Philadelphia Eagles can turn it all around and get up for a game, it's Dallas week, right? Right? That's what we all thought. Now we all think, now we all think fraudulent behavior alert, fraudulent behavior alert. What the heck's going on over there? Uh, Yeah, you you could say the potential fraud, uh, the alert is high. I'm not answering that call either. Are you calling red alert? Are you calling red alert right now? Uh, no, I would say code orange. Ooh, it's not the cousin of red alert. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe not quite full, full blown. I mean, we're, we're borderline full blown panic mode. The, the defense, red alert. It, yeah, it's just it's frustrating. It's still 36 hours removed, and it, it, almost 48, and it feels fresh. I'm worried. You got a two game. You got a two game lead in the division after beating the Bills. You lose two in a row. Now you have the fourth, fifth seed because the Niners are number one. The Cowboys are number two because they hold the current lead in the NFC East. And now the Eagles are in a wild card position. So what a difference two weeks makes. Now, if you look at the grand scheme of things, going back a month ago with this gauntlet that we were all referencing if they had gone 3 and 2 4 and 2 whatever it is we probably would have felt pretty good but when you look at the details and see how they played how they squeaked out wins and then got blown out in the losses everything your eye has told you and shown you over the last 2 weeks is that the eagles have a lot of flaws and i'm not sure that they can fix them Yeah, they have a lot of flaws, and the one really common thread, I would say, amongst all of those games, both the losses and the close wins, is the defense and how much scoring they have let up. Um, Because you could say the offense offense had really big moments in a lot of those games they won, and you you could argue that there was some productivity in these last two games as well. Um apart from the fact that they had a hard time scoring touchdowns as opposed to field goals, but there are definitely good moments. Whereas the defense, it feels like it feels like 75% of the drives. They are just getting, it's like, it's a summer. It's like a summer day and 
you are just a tall piece of grass and they are just mowing right over top you Colin well when uh when you look at it other than the turnover the downs to end the game against the 49ers come halftime of Sunday's game the Eagles had gone uh let up 10 straight drives without forcing a punt where the other team has scored. Yeah. They finally forced a punt uh, to start the second half. Didn't do anything with it. Good return. I believe that was the return pump by Covey. Was that the one on the sideline? Yeah. Yeah. Covey, man. I just, I obviously we don't want to be, we don't want to be positive here. It's not good things to say, but Covey, Covey's, Good little football player. There, there was a few. There was a few lone bright spots. Uh, the third down defense was not one of them. And oh, I have, goodness. I have some stats here, Dan. I, I think you're been. gonna, I think you're gonna be alarmed when I read these off to you. Dallas was nine for sixteen on third down. If you couple that with San Francisco the week prior, who went eight for eleven. They've given up 17 of a possible 27 third down uh, attempts by the opposing team, which is 63%. Now, 63%. To, put that, to put that in reference, the league average is 39%. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's compare that to last year, where for the season, they averaged 38.5%. So, they were about league average last year. That was good for 12th in the NFL. Uh, this year, on, on a whole... They are last at allowing 48% of third down conversions, which I saw a stat while re-watching the game is very alarming when you couple it with their average opponent's yards per third down, which is the second best in the NFL at 7.7 yards to go. So they're really good at getting the team in third and long, but they're the absolute worst at getting them off the field. Which means that your pass rush isn't good enough is my read on that. I would absolutely agree. For the, a team that says, look at our pass rush, that means your pass rush is not good. <laughs> I, I would. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's an element at play, a huge element at play there. Yeah. And football is the ultimate of team games, You right? You need everybody working in unison to complement each other. It's complementary on on every single level, especially when you're playing defense. If your secondary is holding tight coverage, it gives another half second for your defense to get home. But the Eagles do not have a very good secondary or linebackers, and their pass rush is good, but not as good as it was last year. So that half second of cushion that they're not getting on the wide receivers is allowing the quarterback to get the ball out early. They're not getting home. You just see it time and time again. I think there was at least two or three instances where Dak Prescott got hit right after he got the ball away, but he had just enough of a of a gap to get the ball in there. The one that sticks out in my mind is the one to Ferguson over Sidney Brown. Mm. Uh, I believe that was a third down. Uh, that was that's a great I'm, pass. That's pretty it's good game, coverage. It's a game of it's a game of inches, and yeah. the Eagles the Eagles were winning by those inches in the instances where they were winning the games against the, the Chiefs, the Bills, etc. But when you add up the the little bit of scheme and talent that the Eagles seem to be lacking right now, those inches add up to yards, and those yards add up to blowout losses. 
And just to run it back on kind of your initial point here with the third downs and some of the numbers you're spitting at us, did you say on this season, did you spit out on the season 48%? Was that yes. correct? For the season, so, they are allowing 48% conversion rate, which is so, worse than the worst in the league. Right. So that indicates that this isn't just a recency, we played really good teams thing, okay? that's a, This has been going on for a off-season long, right? which is obviously far more concerning than, oh, it's just um, it's just because we played two really good offenses, so it, it made the number much higher. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a pattern. It's a pattern, and it probably speaks to the lack of pass rush and the lack of ability to cover and overall just poor defense. Um, and the thing that really stinks about that is that it means that their offense stays on the field and our offense stays off the field. If you are playing a team and they are converting time and time again on third downs, I would say the strength of the Eagles is very clearly their offense. If there was any question about that before, it's obviously pretty obvious right now. And one of the things that we've done when we're at our absolute best is we get that offensive line going and we just wear down that defense. But the more times you let up all these third downs to these opposing teams, it's time you're taking away from your offense uh, and you're not put in the same game script situation that you'd like to be. They, the Eagles have not been able to run the ball as much, partly because they've lot, let up a lot of points and partly because they haven't been able to get the offense of the other team just in general off the field. So then there's so much pressure to hurry up or to, to score when we have the ball. It's, it's not a good game script for our offense. Um, it puts a lot of pressure on the offense to score and to, to pass, I would say. And, and, and it just the, doesn't allow you to get that wear and tear. Like the Eagles at their best, that offensive line can wear you down, man. But that defensive side of the ball, I would say, makes it very hard to do that offensively. Yes, and, and that is the other absolute aspect of complementary football is when you get your defense off the field on third down, your offense usually has the, the lead or you're, you're somewhat close, tight, you can run the football. The Eagles have gone down in the first half. I believe this is the sixth straight game. And, and that is not conducive to what the Eagles do best, especially taking advantage of their offensive line, which is way better at run blocking, run blocking than it has been in pass blocking. And I, I believe that there's probably some stat to say that, but it's just the general consensus. This offensive line is a bunch of road graders. They want to run downhill. They want to attack. They want to like, maul some people i mean i miss the days of jason kelsey being four five yards down the field hitting a linebacker and then going for the safety we haven't seen that in probably three weeks just because yes they cannot run the football in the first half because last game but to be fair quarterback he actually didn't hit anyone because no one like wanted to hit him but it was like a (laughs) 10 plus yard run and hertz was literally about to run past him, and then Hertz just tapped him on the butt, and that I must mean that, yeah. something because it's that means like, hey, it, I'm going down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed. I noticed that. Hey, but yeah. lay up, I'm going down. <laughs> He's like, because it wasn't like any pressure that Hertz did push Kelsey. It's, it was like the big red button. Yeah, he just yeah, zoom, just collapse. Hey, ease up, big fella. Ease up. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going down. <laughs> So okay, no, I, yeah, I, I agree you know with I mean. you though. I, yeah, we were seeing it a lot more frequently. Uh, than we than we have been as of late, and and this team isn't 
built to throw the football specifically or, or, or you know, first, they, they need to be a balanced offense and you need to be a balanced team. If your defense isn't getting off the field and to throw some numbers at you, the defense is tired because they've played 80 snaps against Buffalo, 68 yeah. against the Chiefs, and another 74 against Dallas. And that well, is that's the product of not getting off the field on third down. Just think about if you were a defensive lineman or anyone on the defense, but you're a defensive lineman, and then you're in there for a 10-play drive, and half of those are runs, and you're just exhausted. You go to sit and finally get a break because your offense goes on the field, and then they go first, second, third, fourth down, now they're punting. You got like what felt like two minutes, two to five minutes to sit down, and now you're going right back out there after letting up 80 yards, you're exhausted, versus – you get to sit down and watch your offense slowly do the same thing to the other team. It's the complimentary football that we haven't seen in uh, a long time, uh, quite a long time, actually. You could even go through some of those wins we had. Um, we haven't seen that consistently in a while. The best Eagles offense I've seen in my lifetime was the first 12 weeks of the 2017 season. And it was the exact opposite of the way it's been the last two games in that the Eagles would go right down the field, they'd mix it up with pass and run, whether it was LeGarrette Blunt or, or Corey Clement, whoever, they'd be running the football, and then Wentz would go crazy, you know, get some good passes in there. They they were, were laying the wood on the defense, or on, on the opposing defense, and then the defense was getting off the field very quickly. And the Eagles are not doing that, and it, it hasn't been a sustainable way of winning all season yes they've had wins and have squeaked out wins but i believe we've we've talked about this time and time again you can't you can't win at the skin of your teeth every week and expect that to be sustainable and it is finally coming around to bite them in the ass yeah, and I think a really big part of this puzzle that we haven't talked about too much and i'm trying to Hoping you could stall a little bit longer there. I was trying to pull up some stats, but the turnovers, man. Um, they, it yes. feels like we never get turnovers, and I'm trying to figure I, out I, how I many. Was, I, I was listening to Nick Sirianni's press conference today, and he he said the number. This okay. uh, I think last year for the season, they were plus 14. And okay. this year, thus far, they are minus four. Minus four. So, so you don't have the breakdown of that plus 14, I, uh, I assume. Uh, I do not know. I don't know how many turnovers uh, they've forced uh, as opposed to have made. Uh, I just I just know the the overall differential. But to your point, yeah, they I mean, three fumbles by the three most important players on the team. You cannot have that and win a football mm -hmm. game. If you tell somebody if you tell me or you on Friday, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Hurts are all going to fumble the football. I don't think anybody who is an Eagles fan who knows anything about football would, would think they would win that game unless there was some absolute crazy circumstance. Unless Dallas maybe turned the ball over three or four times. Did I, I don't even know. Did Dallas even have a turnover last week? One. They had one turnover. They had – what was the one turnover? They lost a fumble. I'm looking at the box score, but I can't oh, remember it. Was, it no, obviously, it was our only touchdown of the game. Oh, yeah, the only bright spot. Right, duh. Yeah, yeah, Fletcher Cox, really not a great play by Dak, but, I mean, 
he obviously had a really good game. Kind of a lack of awareness there, in my opinion. But, yeah, great great play by Fletch to go after the football and then Jalen Carter off to the races to score. Fun fact, our only touchdown of that game. Uh, Follow-up fun fact, the defense, for as hard as they were, and we're going to yell at them and say how bad they were, and they were bad, they actually scored more points in that game than our offense did. Yes. Uh, I would love. I would love to know when the last time uh, an Eagles team did not score an offensive touchdown, and their only touchdown scored was on defense. It's probably been a while. If I had to, if I had to guess, I didn't look that up prior to recording. That would be a good number to where? Where's producer Pat? <laughs> yeah, producer Pat. Where's producer Pat when you need him? Speaking of producer Pat, if you guys would like to give us a call, bitch and complain. Yell at us, yell at the Eagles, yell at the universe, old man yelling at Cloud. Go ahead and do so. Hit up the hotline at 412 444 8710. I I would be bitching and complaining to uh, to a lot. And that's what this is about. This is a vent session on how bad the Eagles have been. Hmm. So, what did. So, the Cowboy, the, the Eagles did a lot of things poorly. Anything that scares you about what Dallas did? Just because obviously both this game and last game are kind of unique in that they were meaningful games, but they also have implications. These teams have implications for the playoffs. Like we're very likely going to see at least one, if not both these teams again. So it is this double-handed thing where it's like, how did this game go? Okay, can we beat these guys? Like how can we beat these guys um, in the playoffs, because it's very likely we'll see them again in the most meaningful games of the year. What is Dallas? What What did you think of Dallas in that game? Uh, I, I think what we've seen in the last two weeks from the opposing offenses that I don't see from our offense comes from scheme. Uh, the Eagles are last in the NFL, I believe, in pre-stat motion. Yeah, which is I don't know why. I don't know if that's Brian Johnson being a first year coordinator. It doesn't make any sense. I I just you you see it all the time. The other teams going in motion, they're getting the Eagles off their spots on defense, getting players who are already relatively subpar into confusing situations and the opposing offense is capitalizing on it. When we're on offense, it seems like they get up to the line, they look at the defense, and then they go. There's no adjustment. I It feels like Jalen Hurts isn't making a lot of audibles at the line. I, I don't know if that's on him or if that's on the play call of Brian Johnson. Mm-hmm. That would be the most alarming thing is that their their offense is just becoming predictable, and, and we've we've talked about that and heard that before. There's rumblings inside the locker room. Uh, Derek Gunn who is a longtime Eagles reporter has said that, you know, he's hearing from sources that there there's just rumblings in the locker room, people not being happy about effort or scheme of coordinators. And we haven't heard that since Doug's last year where, you know, there there's, there's things being leaked from within the locker room about players being unhappy amongst themselves. There's, there's internal unrest. And that's another thing that concerns me couple things there one being the 
I wonder if one reason, one reason why they don't do a lot of audibles or it seems like they don't is because they run so many RPOs. So maybe the because the kind of option is already built in, you don't you audible less from like a run to a pass or whatever, because the play itself is kind of an on the fly option. I don't know. Just speculation there. And um, and secondly, and I, obviously they do run some audibles. We've heard stories about how Kelsey and Hertz will kind of sometimes Kelsey will kind of like call a play or call them off. You know, we've heard so I, we know that they audible sometimes at least. And that's obviously hard to tell when they do and don't. Um, and then as far as the motion goes, I I don't feel like they ever use motion. The one the one play that I I'm trying to think if they run many jet sweeps. They definitely do the occasional jet sweep where maybe the guy will start in motion in the beginning. And then the other play where they run motion a lot is which I think I would think they would make it very predictable with the play is but when they do that quarterback draw play they did it two games ago they 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 do it like every game where they have the running back next to Swift and right before he snaps the ball he shoots him off to the outside trying to carry the line the running back trying to carry the linebacker and maybe a safety with him it's the play that they won the um Bills game on yeah they shoot him off and there's the motion and then they do a quarterback draw but Apart from that, man, you're right. There's not a lot of movement. And I don't know if that's like, uh, hey, it complicates things for as far as our lineman assignments and as far as Hurts trying to dissect what the defense is doing. Because obviously, if you move guys, the defense is going to probably move with it. But that's a really good way to get. Isn't that like a really good way to get your guy open? Like absolutely AJ Brown. Isn't that a good way to kind of get AJ Brown open or Smith open? Yeah. I don't know. I so mean, the one play that sticks out, and I think it was on Dallas's first drive. Kevonte Turpin uh, goes in motion behind Dak. He just hands it off on a reverse and he goes for 22 yards. Awful Hassan Reddick play. Awful Hassan. Hassan Reddick has these plays where he just, does not contain very well. I feel like he's in pass mode rush all the time. And we saw it against the Niners when Debo Samuel did his uh, reverse type run to your point. And I think it was the first drive. You, like you said, ter- like, what are you doing? Like, just keep your head up, make sure you know what's going on. I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's not been great against the run. No, he's good at getting in after the quarterback, but when it comes to yes, containing in run defense, or I mean, he's not much of a run stuffer. He's 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 an edge rusher, but yeah, your job yeah, is if, if you're there. if if you're not if you're not rushing the quarterback and it's a, a run formation or a running play, you're you have to stay home and force the guy inside. That hasn't been happening. Now, and one thing I was he have a sack. Did he have a sack where he just ate the crotch of Dak Prescott? Yes. Isn't that Reddick? Yep, sure. that was. I thought that was going to be all over the internet. As soon as that play happened, I was like, oh, no, the Eagles have to win this game or Reddick is about to get posterized. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he's lucky he's so damn athletic that he was able to get up the foot and a half he was off the ground because if he had crawled and yeah. fallen into Dak Prescott below his knee, it would have been in roughing the passer. Which it kind of so, it kind of looked like that live, to be honest with you. Actually, the yeah. live view was kind of sick because you saw it from the other side, so you didn't really see Reddick. All you, if you're watching from the TV side, all you see is Dak Prescott in the pocket, and then these arms go around him, and then just 
wrap him up. It was kind of sick, but it to your point, yeah, it was good that he got up high enough. I I thought they might have called that, but fortunately they didn't. Uh the one thing I was thinking about while rewatching the game today and just kind of thinking about the Eagles as a whole, you know how there's the fire triangle, right? You need you need three things for for something to happen with the fire. It's you got fuel, heat, oxygen. When it when it comes to football, my analogy of the triangle that you need is personnel, scheme, and effort. Last year, they had better personnel. I would say they probably had a better scheme, which was proven by the fact that both of their coordinators got got picked or poached. And effort effort's usually pretty good with with the Eagles team. That now again, there's rumblings on on that front as well about players not giving it their all uh anonymous sources coming out of the locker room but this year on defense they don't have the personnel scheme is and and the efforts there on the offense the scheme is awful the personnel is pretty good and the the effort i just i just they they can't be able to have all three together in one game, it seems. We have not all season, maybe sans the Dolphins game, seen them play very good football in all aspects. And that is what worries me going forward because you're not going to be able to upgrade your personnel. Your scheme's not going to change because we're 13, 12, 13 games into the season now. The coordinators are they they are who they are. The lear, the learning period for these two rookie coordinators is over and effort is going to be dependent on will and the ability for the defense to get off the field. How about this and this is a guy that ended up kind of having a not the greatest exit. Um it is what it is, but how much is this team missing? Do you know what player I'm about to say? Javon Hargrave, Kaiser White, CJ Gardner Johnson. Him too. Yep, absolutely. For he's two of those boxes, right? I think he's personnel for personnel for skill, skill and ability, yeah. but also for energy. Man, that guy had had and has swagger. Whether if he's on your team, you love him. If he's one of those guys, if he's not on a team, he's an asshole. But he's got swagger, man, and he's got pop. He hits hard. Like this defense doesn't have I feel like this defense doesn't have that swagger they they almost have it with the defensive line but they sec they definitely don't seem to have it with the secondary someone that's just gonna gonna set the tone you know and um I Reed Blankenship has been a, a great football player for this team um but he's not necessarily that guy the CJ Gardner Johnson. I think he made a really big impact on our defense last year. He was a guy in the offseason that we we're like, mm, feel like we need to sign this guy. I feel like we need to bring him back. Um, it feels like we didn't really fill that hole, man. God, I, I'm so sick and tired of seeing Bayard just not step up and make tackles in the run game. Just like take bad routes to to open field receivers or running backs. He's and he doesn't hit hard. He you know what's interesting is that uh, as far as 
the conversation we had last week when where we were talking about how it felt like everyone in the Niners was a big hit stick guy. Like they played with such effort, such tenacity. And we named one guy that came to mind for our team, Sidney Brown. He actually got to play in this last game because Blankenship got hurt and he he's got a lot to go, but not long into the game. He comes from that safety position and has a pretty big hit stick play on, I believe a run play. He, uh-huh. he does. He does. He comes back 10 yards deep. He sees run play and he bam. I'm like, okay, I haven't yeah. seen that in weeks. Yeah. That was outstanding. Come on. Step up. Bayard hit the hole and smack the back. Make him think twice. And I was, you know what? Shout out to Sidney Brown. He might, he, he's got a lot to learn as far as scheme and positioning goes, but he plays hard, man. And, and, that that's the kind of energy and effort that we need to see from this defense. And I don't, I don't know that I've seen that from anyone else in the secondary or linebacker uh, side of things from this team. You can't teach effort. That, that's something that's something that's internal. It's, it's a will to impose, impose your will upon the opponent and not let them come to you. Sidney Brown. Now he, he did let up that long play to Ferguson, but he's, he's there, also I, to me. That, yeah, he was, he was right, he was right there. It it's not on literally. It took literally the most perfect of perfect passes. I mean, and that's what, and a great catch. Yeah. And, and a and a great catch and a great catch to me. Hats off. That's a hats off to you type thing. I to agree. Me, that's not a Sydney Brown's right there. More, more, more right there than anyone else has been against Ferguson, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so now, it is what it is. Another another thing that is alarming to me. Now they they held their uh, wide receiver tight end like the receiving core of the Cowboys in check. I, Ferguson, I believe, had seventy two yards and, and C.D. Lamb at seventy one. If you told us that before the game, we're like, okay, probably pretty good. But the Eagles' run defense is just getting absolutely gashed. I, th- I think that's part of the reason why is because they didn't have to pass it as much. They got to run it. Uh... About 32 times. Yeah. So I I wrote down the numbers. Over the last four games, the Eagles have given up 168, 173, 146, and 138 yards on the ground, averaging 156 per game. Uh, The league average is 113 yards per game. And I also went back. And looked at where the Eagles ranked a month ago on November 12th. They were leading the league in rush defense with 66 yards per game given up. So I believe that is a factor of what we've been talking about in that the defense is getting tired. They're playing a lot of snaps. They can't get off the field. And it's an avalanche effect. And they're playing better offensive linemen. Yes, that too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the teams that they've played over the last four weeks are, by and large, four of the best teams in the NFL. I know the Chiefs aren't quite the Chiefs they used to be, and the Bills are that, – that was a hell of a game. Also, I don't know if you got to catch any of that before the Eagles game on Sunday afternoon. That was, that was, a, pretty, that was a pretty wild game. Yeah, that was wild. A little, little disappointed to see big, uh, big Andy Reid, Big Red up there complaining at what was literally the correct – I agree. And and Patrick Mahomes, you would you would think a guy who tends to get a lot of calls, maybe not not yeah, as much. It, as I kind of hate that it happened because yeah, not as much as LeBron James. 
it brought up the Eagles Super Bowl call all over again. That went viral again because yep. they were. Uh, but you know, it's one thing to see a guy be like that, like right after the game on the field. I kind of get that. Emotions are super high. Um, I kind of get that. Like I have a lot of leeway there. It's these guys are really passionate. You want to see them care, and it's hard to just immediately turn it off. But when you carry it into the press conference, it's like after the fact like you had time to cool off like that's I, to me that's a little bit of a different ball game and it and and there's so many games that are decided or it feels like they're decided by actual questionable calls this guy was so clearly off sides <laughs> and they talked about it last night on the monday night game or maybe it was on countdown that i was watching the john perry i believe who's espn they bring in they were talking about like the, the warning that they give to wide receivers. If if you're like borderline, if you might be offsides, that's when they give you the warning. Be like, hey, hey, back up. He his head was a yard past the ball. And yeah. Scott Van Pelt made an, a, a terrific analogy. It's like de- uh, delay of game. If you look at the zero and there's a half half second, like, and then they get the ball off. Okay, it was close enough. We'll give it to you. But if you look at the play clock and it hits zero, and then you look back at the offense and they still haven't snapped the ball, it's a glaring penalty. That's when you call it. That guy was so far over the line of scrimmage, he he wasn't justified giving him a warning. He should have been able to know on his own. And then two more things. The one thing that they kept saying is you took that play away from us. That you call that that you took that play away. Actually, the flag was thrown before the play happened. So it's well before that stupid way to frame it is the flag was thrown. It's a play on type flag, but the flag was thrown. So like that's an irrelevant comment to make. Take that away. The play didn't happen. What are you talking about? That's exactly the flag was thrown while Patrick Mahomes still had the ball in his hand. And then secondly, what I was going to say, oh, is there was a video that comes out that shows like, oh, look, Tony checks with the ref. Tony, before he even is like lined up, does a quick point over to the ref, like literally like this, bam, bam. So he he points over. He's not lined up yet the whole way. And he very clearly does not actually look at the ref. He just does like the motion of his head turns and then turns right back and then that was going like, I oh, see he did indeed check. What are you talking about, dude? Like <laughs> he, he turned was... his head to the left for an eighth of a second before he was actually lined up and then never looked back. That's not how you check in with the ref. This is just evidence that he did not check in with the ref, whatever. Speaking of offsides though, by the way, I do think bringing back to the Eagles game, they um, incorrectly called the left guard again on an offsides call on a tush push that I think was I just, agree. Once again, Jason Kelsey's left arm. Why is this not being made a bigger deal? Is this I, I just their, that their way yeah. of trying to have us not run the play? I, what be. is that's a huge call. You go from a third and fourth and one to five, five, six yards because of a ref that didn't know whose arm was who whose. What? And they're they're bunched so close together on that play, which is what makes it so successful that it's impossible for the referee who's 20 yards away on the sideline to tell whose helmet is who, whose arm is who. You can't make that definitive call when you can't tell unless you're standing like right at the line of scrimmage. 
It's it's awful. It's happened three or four times this year, and that is three or four times too many. If it happens one time, I get it. Okay, now now let's spread the word that this can happen. It's a thing. Let's never. That's uh, just awful. Whatever. Speaking of of penalties, something I've never seen before was two personal fouls being called on one person on the same play. I didn't know that could happen. Yeah, is that the one on Ringo? Yes. I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't understand. I thought it was a pass interference and then a personal foul. It was. So again, in rewatching the game, the the uh, guy who is on Sunday Night Football, I think Sterator, explained it beautifully. He's like, when a pass interference is called by the the defender grabbing the face mask, both penalties will be enforced because there was a face mask that yeah. caused pass interference. So it was a spot foul, which was about 10 yards where the pass interference occurred. And then it, it was a result of a face mask, which adds another 15. And that was the drive, I believe, that Dallas was going down at the end of the half. They could have stopped them. If they had, it would have been a completely different ball game because it was 17 to six at the time. They stop them. Eagles get the ball out in the second half. Completely different game if, if the Dallas doesn't score there, but they, they eventually do thanks to that penalty. I think it was like the very next play was where he threw it over, over the center right at Bradbury. And mm. uh, I think it was down at the one. But I thought I thought it was lame that they took both penalties. Give your guy the catch and then take the 15 yards. Never take the yards away from your guy if he makes the catch, man. Selfish. Well, it, pass interference isn't relying on the uh, result of the play, nor is offensive offsides. The, the penalty yeah. is the penalty, and it's going to be called. Well, I'm just saying he caught that ball. Yeah, yeah. Coach should decline it. Let your receiver get his yards and then accept the other one. Asshole. Uh, it was it so was mad. funny. It was funny. Mike Tarico, or maybe it was Collinsworth, was saying, oh, this this guy was in his hospital bed dreaming up some some trick plays, and he just decided to throw him into the offensive scheme." <laughs> I mean, I've had my appendectomy out, and let me tell you, your appendectomy man, out. I've, I've, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know I've if had, I've had that. that. <laughs> I've had my appendix taken out via appendectomy. Okay, I think you I think you've been swindled, my friend. A couple thousand you should right. have in your pocket Colin, right Colin, now, buddy. Colin, you've had enough to drink. I know you've only had one beer tonight, but you are cut off, my friend. No, I've had an append appendectomy. Uh I'm thoroughly impressed at the fact that uh Mike McCarthy was able to waddle around the sideline. A couple of days after getting his out, maybe Is that would happen. Okay, I didn't know that. I heard he was in the hospital, but yeah, he had his appendix taken out on Wednesday. Uh, I had a, I had my appendix taken out. And I wasn't allowed to play golf for three weeks. Now I know that's a little bit of an active sport, especially with twisting up the torso and so. But it hurt like a bitch. It would have been funny it. if he just had like a lawn chair that he had to sit on the whole time. Oh, that the hover round. He's just going up and down the sideline in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, like what's the thing that went uh, a couple years ago when Booger McFarlane? Was doing, oh, the like, Booger Mobile. Yeah, you know, I came out there in the Booger Mobile, dude. He's in a boom lift on the sideline, just. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ref, get over here! <laughs> yeah, he's he's elevated like a 
like a tennis ref, and they get, he's got to yell down at the, the officials. Oh my god, that would have been funny. Can I tell you something? Of can course. I tell you something. Talking about scheme and uh, getting back to the triangle here a little bit, the the scheme coaching side of things. Um, I, it's in one of these papers. You saw the receiving stats of this game, right? How many guys? Uh, how many guys were thrown to in this game? Talk about oh, yeah. scheme. There were four guys who uh-huh. were uh-huh. not just who had catches. All, all, all four of these guys had catches, but uh-huh. no one else had a target. Unless I'm missing something, no one else had a target. And actually, one of these guys had one target, one catch, and that wasn't even from the quarterback. That was from the, by the way, shout out punter with an absolute beauty. People don't realize how far of a throw that is when you do a fake punt. You have to realize that the punter catches that ball like, I don't know, close to 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. So if the receiver just like stayed at the line of scrimmage, it's 10 yards, but he's he ran down the field, of course, like 10 yards deep, five to the side. That's a that's a long pass. It's not a short pass because he starts so far back. That was a great pass. Back-to-back great games by the punter. Didn't think they were going to run a, pay, uh, a fake punt, a 28-yard pass to Zacchaeus. Also, I don't know that I realized Zacchaeus was a gunner, by the way. Shout-out to Zacchaeus for being uh, – I have a little versatility. Jalen Hurts threw the ball to three – different receivers the uh-huh. entire game brown smith goddard i mean uh-huh. how easy is it to play defense if you know that there are only three guys you're willing to scheme up and throw the ball to i i if you watch any game of football you see at least two to five checkdowns to the running back like every single game and at least one of those goes for a really good gain it's just a good outlet to have for some reason, I feel like we don't ever have, or, or we very rarely have. I don't want to say ever have. That's an over-exaggeration. But it seems way more rare than it should be to have these little dumplet out passes. And I guess Goddard, some of his passes are, are that sometimes. But these running backs, like I, I feel like it's rare to have plays where the running back stays in the block and then they just string out. Hey, I'm just here. I'm an outlet pass. Um, if you when, need to yeah. dunk one off, when's the last time that ha- that's happened? Where they, where they throw a little dump out pass to the running back in the flat? I that's got to feel... be a coaching scheme thing. It has got to be. They, they, now, they don't have a running back with a catch in this game. That makes no sense. The Cowboys don't have very good linebackers. There's a reason why the Cowboys wanted Shaq Leonard. It's because they also stink at linebacker. They have significant injuries. The guy Van Der Esch with the big neck pad thing. Nah, he's done. I, lo- I, I love Leighton Van Der Esch. He's a he's, fantastic player. I wish he wasn't on, on the Cowboys. He's on the IR. He's there also is. on the IR. Yes. He's not on the field. So, like, why are we not exploiting that? Why are we not exploiting their weaknesses? It's a it from from your mouth to God's ears, Dan. How now, many catches did Pollard have? Uh, is a good question. Seven catches, seven yeah. catches for thirty-seven yards. What are we doing, Coach? Why are we not checking it down? You get one of your best athletes in the open field a couple times a game. I mean, come Again, on, Coach. Well, that's. I have I have an argument to to you, and actually, I was listening to Sirianni's press conference on the way home, and he was asked that specific question, and his answer was, "Our offense goes through our playmakers, and our playmakers are AJ, 
Devontae and Dallas Goddard. And I can't argue with them. But it, but it's you it's can do both. But it's the combination of scheme and personnel, as we were going back to. They they don't Quez Watkins and Alameda Zacchaeus and Julio Jones are so far below the tier that the top two wide receivers are. Even if they're out there, I, there's no guarantee that they're getting open. There's no guarantee that they're going to catch it if it goes to them. I mean, we saw how how mute the tight end position was when Dallas Goddard's out because he's a great player, but they don't have anyone to to back him up in the pass catching game. And DeAndre Swift, excuse me, he's not he's not a pass catching back very much. I mean, he has had good he has had great games in the past this year. In the past, what? In this year, really, he's, he's done fine. Gainwell, but both these guys have had been plenty successful. The one game they ran it two times the screen pass to Swift that was over like the middle of the field, and then the lineman shoots up to the middle of the field. Why, why are we not seeing those plays against the, a team with depleted linebackers and a team that has a really good pass rush? It feels like that would be a good type of play to help. Um, and they blitz and they run a lot of cover zero, like what. I don't know. I, there question. is no excuse for no passes to the running backs. I'm sorry. I, I can understand I your point. I can understand your point to uh, Watkins and to Zacchaeus, especially because I really don't think Watkins – I think Watkins is not good at tracking the ball. I think he's very fast, and that is – I hate to say it. I, I wish that he was better tracking the ball, but I have not seen the growth that I w- was hoping to see in the last couple of years with Watkins, certainly including this year. Uh, which means maybe he's just not that guy, pal. But Zacchaeus, he has moments and he has plays where he he does, and he's got the veteran presence where he, and he's got the effort thing. He will bust his ass to get a block in the open field. He will be the freaking gunner on the punt team. Like he's he's got some versatility. I like him out there. But no passes to the running back. I mean, how many times does Hertz like roll out and then just end up throwing it out of bounds? I mean, we need more plays where that. The running back, what is the running back doing in all these plays then? Tell me, what is he doing? You know, like I have I haven't gone back and watched the all 22 as much as you have, but I'm I'm almost interested in doing so, at least for this past game, to see what happens when Jalen Hurts drops back and where the running back ends up. From what I've been able to glean off of just re-watching the games and the little bit of all 22 I've seen, the running back, whether it be Gainwell or Swift, will go into pass protection and then they'll just kind of stay there because they're still yeah. pass blocking which is that's a massive coaching issue because how many plays when i've watched the all 22 the past couple games i've seen far too many plays where and i'm okay with what sirianni's saying you can run your offense through the playmakers and then still have a backup plan if the playmakers are not open you know too many plays when i watch the the last couple all 22s where those guys are running deep routes they're not open shoot now what the like give me something that i can now do instead of hurts just run around and maybe sneak it or throw it away like give me some other option so i'm fine with running through the playmakers that's totally cool but there's no reason you i don't see that doesn't those things can coexist i guess is what i'm trying to say absolutely and here's another thing to back your point there were multiple times where jalen hurts had no time because it was an obvious blitzing down, and they had what seemed to be the wrong play call. Why don't, on one of those plays where it's an obvious blitzing down, go out of the realm, like 
do a reverse or send some guy in motion, get it out. And that's when you want to get it out in the flat mm-hmm. quickly when you got everybody coming at you quickly. But everybody, they seem to do quick outs and slants. And that, those, those are hard when you got to throw it through the linebackers and you got six guys in your face. That's where you want to go laterally with the football, get guys moving pre-snap and get the defense guessing as to where the football's going. It, it's, I don't know much about Brian Johnson. I, I know it's his first year in the league. He coached Dak Prescott at Mississippi State, apparently. And I think they mentioned this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I heard on the radio. Uh, Dak Prescott was glowing about how much he's learning from Mike McCarthy about how to run an offense. And Brian Johnson coached Dak Prescott for two years at Mississippi State. Why was he not glowing and why was he so confused about how to orchestrate an offense after learning under Brian Johnson? I mean, that raises a little bit of a red flag, does it not? Not to not to me, just because there's too much there's too much interest involved there. Obviously, his current coach is uh, McCarthy. The Eagles' current coach is Johnson. I, you know, like you, he almost could just be. I'm not saying that he's lying, but like you could just be witty and say that as like a subtle shot to the Eagles and to hype up your own guy now. So I, I'm not going to feed into that just because. He's his current coach. Of course, he's going to speak highly of his current. Was he going to say his current coach is not good? Like, that's not going to happen. So, well, well no, no, gonna... but Dak, Dak did not say that he didn't learn anything from Brian Johnson. I know. He, I know. I'm, he, that's a, that's a witty, like a, like a subtle, like a, the thing you're not saying. Yeah. But, but it's true, though. Dak is having his best year as a pro by far. And he, not to say he was bad at reading defenses or he was a bad quarterback, but I believe he's leading the the uh, MVP race or is at least in the top two or three. And he hasn't been, I would say, other than a couple weeks during his entire career. He's playing very well, and the, the Dallas offense is electric. They're, they're outscoring player uh, teams by, I mean, I think their point differential on the year is like 120. We're at, we're at about yeah. 20. I guess just to your question, I'm not really willing to compare a young college level Dak Prescott to a Dak Prescott who's five-ish, six, five, six years into the NFL. Like, this I guess it's the seventh, seventh year. Seven years deep. Like, you're also a very different quarterback, I would hope. So I don't, I don't, you weren't, you, even if you had McCarthy, switch the roles, you have McCarthy in college. Like, yeah, I, that's just, you know what I mean? Like that's two very different situations. And I'm not saying Brian Johnson is a better coach than McCarthy because obviously we, listen to us talk about this offense, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I am, I will say that I'm quite surprised that McCarthy has, been so good at calling plays for this offense i definitely thought that he was gonna drive the ship into the bottom of the ocean and i thought it was very much an aaron Rodgers show when the packers had so much success with uh mccarthy but you know what i will say mccarthy's proved me wrong in that area that offense is quite productive and honestly um a lot of it has to do with that offensive line but after uh I will say after CD Lamb, they don't have a lot of receiver talent. 
but they do a good job at utilizing the skill set of the guys that they do have. Like Turpin is not a very good receiver, but he's freaking fast. And they do a good job at getting him involved by and using his skill set. CD Lamb, extreme versatility. Obviously, they utilize that. Ferguson, too. Gallup's just not very good, but they'll get him to try to help stretch the field. But I yeah, they do a good job at utilizing their strengths. And Pollard. Pollard's very versatile running back. He's good in the pass game, too, and they utilize that. So they they do they are doing a good job as far as coaching goes in respect to that offense. But to, to my first point there, that offensive line is really freaking good, and they dominated our defensive line in the run game. I mean, they they look like what our offensive line looked in the beginning of the year. They they blocked their asses off, and that's that's the reason why they ran the ball so well. Their offensive line dominated us, man. Dominated us. It, it was awful to watch. Linebackers and the defensive line, the linebackers just – Feels like they don't come up with nearly enough power, Bayard, but their offensive line was fantastic, and I hate to say it, but they were. Yeah, uh, an- another, another, just the Eagles look worn out. They, and and I, if if they don't get the buy, I, they, I I feel I feel like there's there's not a lot of energy in the sales. So. Just to confirm this, if the Eagles win out uh, the rest of their games, they are guaranteed to win their division and then thus have the number two seed, correct? Yes. The Eagles have the easiest schedule remaining in the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys have the hardest. So that is the one silver lining going in their favor. Let me look up what the Niners schedule but is. But even because- the tiebreaker is what I'm saying. They they have the currently they have the or they would have the tiebreaker because of I guess how many wins they'd have in the division. Yes, they would be 5 and 1. No. They'd be under yeah, 5 and 1 because they would have swept the Commanders and Giants. And uh I don't know what the other I don't know what the other tiebreakers are because I think it's conference. I think after division, it's conference conference. And we lost to the jets who are AFC, but Dallas lost to the Cardinals who are NFC. Correct. Why am I? Yes. Cardinals, Cardinals, Niners and Eagles. So yeah, they all, all, I believe it it would go to conference after division, which we would have. If obviously we went out, obviously we have to win out for that. I don't don't know what's after conference though, because say we lose to like the Seahawks. Then yeah, then would... it's then it's up in the air. Huh. We'll see. Hopefully, there's 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 like nine tie-breaking criteria yeah. <laughs> for for playoff seating, and that's the fun part about week eighteen is is trying to dissect who's got the tiebreaker where and all and all that. So we'll get to that when when the time comes. Um, the Cowboys. Well, let's see. The, I have it up right now. The Niners play the Cardinals, Ravens, Commanders, and Rams. It's Ravens. Ra- that Ravens. That's a Sunday night game. On Christmas, that's awesome! Oh my God, that is going to be that's going to be Ravens. Absolutely, that is going to the fighting, the fighting Lamar Jacksons. That's going to be a great game. Yeah, to see it. The Cowboys have to face the Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and Commanders. With the first two AFC games, the Bills and Dolphins on the road. So 
I am I am the biggest Bills and Dolphins fan the next two weeks. I think Bills will beat him. I think I think Stefan Diggs is going to have a hundred yard game against them. I hope so. Um, did you say you had some breaking news? Yeah, it looks like I am seeing that uh, just NFL breaking news that Bill Belichick is going to be leaving the Patriots at the end of this season. Oh no, there's there's some coaching jobs in uh, in our division, man. There's some coaching job opportunities in our division. Would hate to see. Would hate to see that. I'm trying to look it up. I don't know if anything's been quite confirmed yet, but oh, it's the Daily Mail um, reputable because it says Bill Belichick will leave at the end of the season. I'm claims seeing, N- claims NFL Insider. I'm seeing a name, and and I think the Insider Tom Curran, C U R R A N. Are you familiar with him at all? I've I've heard of him. I don't know him too well. NBC Sports Boston's Tom Curran feels. Okay. Feels like a source that would know that you'd think would know a thing or two in this situation. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it ain't something. nobody. It ain't nobody. That's, that's something to get to monitor on the uh, days upcoming. Yeah. So, Dan, I have to. Uh, I have to get out of here shortly. So, you know, let's let's wrap up with our thumbs up, thumbs down. If you're all right with that. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, wow. Should we do thumbs up, thumbs down first? We start with the good or the bad. Let's do I thumbs know. down. Let's end yeah. on a, a nice happy note here. All right. You can start us off here, Paul. All right. Um, my thumbs down is going to AJ Brown this week. Yeah. Uh, in the first half, it looked like he short armed two passes that were definitely in his realm. I know Stefan Gilmer is a hell of a corner, but those those two passes would have been absolute drive changers, and I felt he could have come up with them. That they're the one on over his head on the sideline. I definitely feel like he short-armed it. And then obviously has the costly fumble in the second half. Uh, it just it seems like he's somewhat mentally checked out at times. And this this week was and I mean, you texted me during the first half. You're like, who is this guy we formerly knew as A.J. Brown on the field? He's dressed up as A.J. Brown tonight. <laughs> it certainly didn't look like him. No, he short hand. He short armed the one, which definitely. Here's the thing: he dropped. I'm just gonna say drop because just because he dropped those two two passes that were absolute dimes by Jalen Hurts. They the were short, great. Though. The short arm one, and then one that literally hit both of his hands, and I think also his belly. And I think that was on the Eagles' second drive. That was. I mean, if he catches that ball, Hertz is still an, like potentially an MVP candidate. Like, and Devonta Smith also, it was again. These aren't piece of cake catches, but these are absolute dimes. And these are the catches you have to make to win big games. Devonta Smith, yeah. I think I won in the end zone. It was a dime to him. I mean, but those those are the razor thin plays that the Eagles were making for the first eleven weeks of the season since the Jets game that they haven't been making over the last two weeks and. They, they cannot and have proved to not live or die uh, by by skating skating by with, with making tight plays like that. Mm. So who's yours? Um, I think I am just going to have to go with – man, it's tough. Uh, 
I have I picked I probably have picked Kevin Byer too many weeks at this point to <laughs> pick him again. So I'm gonna have to go back and, and see who <laughs> yeah. all who are thumbs down thumbs up, thumbs That's down were in Italian for the man. for the season. Oh you know what? We're gonna go with uh thumbs down to Josh Sweat. Where is he somewhere on vacation right now? I mean, where is he? He's he's not in the backfield. <laughs> I've been looking there. I've been looking there, and he's not in the backfield. I can tell you where he's not. He had a crappy game last week when he had a couple of crucial offsides, and and this week, where is he, man? He is. Uh, I don't I have the stats in front of me. I don't know if he had any tackles in this one. He did. He had three tackles. No tackle for losses or sacks. But man. You can't just go dead quiet like that. Um, it's a good offensive line, but we we need our we certainly need our D line to perform better. Our secondary is not good enough. We're we're built off of the defensive line. So if the defensive line and these pieces go cold, the defense is going to go ice cold with it because we're built from the line out. So Josh Sweat, he's been having such a good year, man. Got to get him back on track. Got to get going again. Their playmakers have to produce for you to be productive. All right. Um, I have an honorable mention thumbs down uh, from Courtney. Courtney would like to like me to say thumbs down to the entire Eagles offense. Actually their entire Eagles team. She was pissed. How covers it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thumbs down to the entire Eagles quote unquote boo stinky this weekend. Who's Stinky's right? That's going to be the uh, title of the episode. Thanks, Courtney. I love it. I don't. Her and I say that all the time. I don't know where it came from, but it's pretty funny because it sounds it sounds like a four year old saying it. But that yeah. pretty much sums up the entire Eagles' uh, last two games. <laughs> um, yeah. Thumbs thumbs up this week um, might might be a little bit more difficult. You want to go first? I went. I yeah, went first. I got one. a couple. I got a couple actually, but we'll just we'll. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, I thought. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Sydney Brown, man. I'm gonna go Sydney Brown. I. He got put into a position that he would never be put in if it weren't for injuries. All of a sudden, he finds himself being the free safety against uh, one of the most proficient offenses in all of football. And, you know, he joins a defense that's struggling against the run all game. I mean, he came in. Do you know what quarter Blankenship got hurt? Was that second or third it was, quarter? It was the it was the drive right at the end of the second quarter. Okay. So, so he, he was out the entire second half. Just over a, a half of football. He led the team in tackles with, with, with eight, which I know we talk about how that's not the end-all, be-all stat because it could mean you're – but a lot of those tackles were indeed stepping up and making tackles in the run game. Um, and I just thought he brought a little bit of a ferociousness uh, that was totally lacking. He had the one hit, the one tackle that I can remember from the Eagles in that game that was like, okay – you drove them backwards instead of them driving us three yards backwards towards the first down marker. Thank you, Sidney Brown. Stepped up from the safety position, made a big play. Um, don't believe, didn't have any pass. Def- he did have a pass deflection. He did have a pass deflection. And Ferguson catches that ball on an incredible catch and a, and a beautiful pass. 
pretty tight coverage on one of the one of the best receivers on that team, one of the best targets on that team. I and this guy, you know, has has been notably bad on defense, but I think when he has played defense, he's done a little bit more of that hybrid, the nickel role, I think, the slot type. I don't think he's played much at safety. I thought he looked a lot more comfortable at the safety position. Not that we should replace Reed uh with him, but I thought maybe that maybe that's it's good. It's good to see him in a position where it's like, oh, okay, this guy, this guy can play defense. He just clearly is very unfamiliar with the roles he's been put into this point. I thought he liked, looked a lot better and a lot more uh, comfortable at the safety position. I thought he did a pretty good job. I would absolutely agree. Uh, it, it, it's nice to see Sidney Brown. He's he has a lot of talent and he's making progress. He's getting better as the season goes on. So that's a promising sign for the future. I hope he continues to progress in his understanding of defenses, where to be at the right time. So that is good. But speaking of, I wanted to bring this up earlier before I get to my, uh, my thumbs up. Speaking of leading tacklers in Reed Blankenship, uh, Collinsworth brought this up on the broadcast. The five leading tacklers from the Eagles defense last year, all left in free agency, which I did not know, <laughs> which I, I, I know for offhand. It's CJ, GJ, Kaiser yeah. White, TJ Edwards and Javon Hargrave. I I don't know who the fifth wow, would be. Hargrave was a top five tackler. I gotta think. I mean, like he's one of the only players who would have been yeah, top five in tackles who also left in free agency. That's hard. That's just hard for a D tackle to make that many tackles. I would guess. I mean, he, he was da- he was a damn good run stuffer. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who the fifth is, but I I heard that stat and I was I was pretty pretty shocked by that. Uh, my thumbs up for the week is going to the lone spot of the Eagles scoring, and that would be Mr. Jalen Carter. Now, I guess I could, we, I could kind of split it with Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox, baby. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I missed, right place, yeah. right time for Carter, but that's that's true. Yeah, that was that was full effort. By all right, I, I, you you've changed my mind. We'll go Fletcher Cox for making the single most. Uh, positive thing the Eagles did all weekend except for maybe Braden Mann's pass to Zacchaeus. Uh, he continues to even though he doesn't play the amount of snaps he used to because he's getting up there in age when he does get in there he continues to make an impact even though he's 32 years old. Fletcher Cox number 91. I salute you sir. Thank you for at least giving the Eagles somewhat of a spark this weekend. Yeah. Yeah Fletcher Cox was playing his tail off. I actually thought that Fletcher Cox had a had a decent game. He just just not just defense all needs to be kind of going. You can't have a one man really do do it all on the defensive side of the ball. Hargrave is in the top five, by the way. I'm very impressed by that. There's I think one other person that you didn't say. I think you didn't say this guy. Safety. Oh. Um Sydney uh no Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You said that one. Yeah. This uh, one that it? had 94 tackles. I can't. Third most why, on the team. I can't remember. Marcus Epps. No shit. Yeah. Huh. Kazir White yeah. two. TJ Edwards one with 159 tackles. He's yeah. hurt somewhere, right? He's on a different team hurt somewhere, I think. I haven't been following. Yeah. Marcus Epps. Who, I don't even know where he is. I'm I'm pretty shocked he was in the top five. That, that's that's a name I I I almost forgot played for the Eagles, frankly. Yeah, 
It looks like TJ Edwards. TJ Edwards looks like he's healthy, but playing for Chai Tom. Mm. Well, I don't. I, Monday night, we got we got a we got a Monday night edition of of Eagles football coming up next week. Uh, would you like to make a prediction, Dan, or do you think maybe we'll run a podcast before then? What do you what, what do you want to do? Do you want to do a we'll do a Tuesday reaction day after? Um, you want to you want to make a prediction now? Yeah, we'll you- do a prediction now. Also, uh, just a shout out, thumbs up. Good. Good to see Dallas Goddard back out there. Yes. Good to see Dallas Goddard back out there. Look, I, I, I was, I was, I was debating going to Dallas Goddard. Uh, he only had thirty yards, and Didn't that was do enough. But it, it yeah, good to see him. It was. It was. It was very good to see him out there get through the game healthy. I mean, he came back. He never even went on IR, right? Adam, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't think he did. That's pretty impressive after breaking his forearm to not have to go on IR. Dallas game. It was, was yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So then, then they went on the bye, and then it was three games after that. So yeah, he only he missed four, four, four weeks, uh, three games. So if he did go on IR, he wouldn't have been eligible to come back until not even not even this week. It would have been the next week because he he would have to miss four games and then come back. So mm. uh, pretty pretty impressive stuff. He's got good healing ability. Yeah, he's got he's got good healing ability. He's must eat his vegetables. Um, I guess milk. He probably drinks a lot of cow's milk because I guess it was a broken bone situation. That's that's cow's milk that fixes bones, right? But hell yeah. Anyways, I think that the Eagles have a chance to really get this thing right, especially from an offensive standpoint against Seattle. Um, the Seattle Seahawks starting quarterback was out for the last game. Geno Smith commenced Drew Locke, one of the more likable backup quarterbacks in football. Um, most famous for his passion of what was it, T.I.? Yeah, on the sideline. That was that's that's one of the best all time like sideline videos. Drew Lock has is a good time at the club. Drew Lock is yeah. a good time at the club. He the yes, first he round is. is always on Drew Lock, but um, and he knows every song. Uh, but, and sometimes he jumps up and becomes a DJ, but I think Gino was a, like almost going to play in that game. It was a very late, that, late scratch. Yes. So I would very much assume that Gino Smith is going to be back for the Eagles. I think this is a, uh, for the Eagles game. I think this is a really big opportunity for the Eagles defensive line to wreak some havoc. Uh, Gino Smith not the greatest quarterback, not the greatest pocket awareness, maybe holds on the ball a little bit too long while he's trying to let DK Metcalf run 40 yards down the field till he airs it out to him. I think, and their offensive line is not terribly good, the Seahawks. So I think that this is a real opportunity for the Eagles D-line to, to get back on track and get a handful of sacks, maybe get a strip sack again. Um, and I also think the offensive line can do the same. I think. One way in which we are a much better team than the Seattle Seahawks is in both the offensive and defensive line categories. The one player or one of the players, because there are some talented players in the Seahawks, they have a uh, defensive rookie of the year candidate playing cornerback, Devin Witherspoon. Uh, he got hurt in the last game against the Niners. Um, I think it was his hip or something like that. 
He's uh, out of Illinois. Is that right? He, I don't think I have that in front of me. I Let me look it up. Have his number. Up. He's 21. His number is 21. His, he's not 21 years old. I don't think. He is third in pass deflections this year with 16. That's kind of impressive. But only one interception. But he's he's a stud defensive back. He's a great cornerback in the league. Devin, uh, Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. I know, I know my, I know my Big Ten football. Yeah, I don't, I don't know much, but I do know that. So yeah, we'll see if he's healthy. He is a guy to watch out for. Really good football player. Um, I don't know. Fifth fifth overall last year. Yeah, good pick by them. I don't know if he. I don't know their style in that. Does he follow the number one receiver around or not? I don't know. I think if he's not in we could really take advantage of their secondary. He's probably their best player on defense. Um, yeah, I think they're going to, I think their offense is going to be able to do whatever they want against the Seahawks. And I think that our D line is going to get some turnovers. Um, so I think the Eagles are going to score a lot. We'll do uh Eagles win against Seattle. 30. What would be a good one? 33. Uh, and then Seattle will get a charming 20 just because our defense really hasn't had many games where they don't let up points, to be honest with you. 33-20 Eagles. All right. And the big game, the MVP, is going to be uh, just offense. It's going to be like Swift and company, but it's going to be that offensive line and defensive line. I'm hoping they run it right down their gut. Now, the Seahawks have lost five of their last six. And if I'm being honest, that almost worries me because I feel like they've they've got to bounce back to the mean. Or maybe they were just, you know, out kicking their coverage early in the season. It's okay, one so of the to, to be fair, this is their last several games. And I'll go in starting with their last game. San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco, <laughs> Rams. Yeah. Washington. So three out of those four games are Super Bowl contenders, to be fair. Yeah. And that's what worries me in that they they might be better than those that the four losses in a row that they've had. They did get blown out by the Ravens 37 to three way back in October. Uh, I think they are going to win. I, I, I think they need to win. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to benefit by having the extra day off on Sunday. Yeah, it's the first time they're not not playing a team off ten days rest in the last three weeks, which also is going to be beneficial to them. Now it is on the road in Seattle, which is a tough play uh, always with that crowd. But I, I think they're going to squeak it out. I'm not. Th- I I think it's going to be another ugly win. I'm going twenty eight twenty six birds. The good birds, not the dirty birds, not not the not the ugly Atlantic Shore seagull birds. Go good guys, go birds. Yeah, that's you want to talk about a gauntlet, Colin. I mean, four games, two against the Niners, one against Dallas, one against Philly. That's some. That's a that's, freaking gauntlet. <laughs> Golly, yeah, that's that's almost as tough. That's almost as tough as the one the Eagles just got for. Yeah, but if 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 they can beat Washington. It is looking good. This this is you're real you, fuzzy. So we got to wrap it up because you're real. You got real fuzzy. Roll job, baby. There we go. 
There we go, baby. All right. I apologize for the fussy mic, but I did not want to leave it on a poor note because I thought this was an absolutely epic episode. I, I thought we had incredible banter back and forth. Uh, I hope next week's game is a little bit, or next week's reaction is a little bit more positive than the last two have been. Uh, but that will that will be seen come a week from now. So if you've made it this far. Thank you very much for your continued attention and appreciation. We appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Call in, why don't you? Absolutely, call in. Give us, give us a shot. Give us a shot at. Shout uh, out. Dan, I, I just, I want to say after doing this for, let's see, we started back in in April, eight eight months of doing this with you. This is a lot of fun. It, yeah. it honestly, it, it it makes my Tuesdays a lot better than they normally are. Yeah. It's always like uh, we start talking about it. It's like, oh, man, I didn't realize how much I need to get that out of my uh, system, whether it's good or bad, whether yeah. it's like a big win or, or a bad loss. It's like, oh, wow. Well, I've told you this before. <laughs> and it, it stemmed from a conversation I believe we had over the phone back in March where, uh, I don't know, I just reached out to you. And then, you know, an hour later, we're like, holy hell, that hour just went by. And all we were doing was talking about Philly sports, which was the reason we spawned this podcast idea. Uh, I will say it, it is a lot of fun. I love doing this. Thank you for doing it with me. And thank you to everybody who listens. I just want to, I just want to put that out in the atmosphere. Cause I, I feel like we don't say that enough. We just get on here. We just start talking sports. We kind of forget about the, uh, the whole fact that this, this gets broadcast to people, but you know, to, to you, sir, thank you. I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your friendship and I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, of course, brother. This has been a, a true joy, and uh, thanks for birthing the great idea. Hey, I've always wanted to do something like this, and there's no other person I've met who was more willing and more uh, qualified to do so. So thank you, sir. At least sir. more willing. At least more willing. And then uh, eventually we will get to talking about the Flyers and the Sixers, who both of which are doing pretty Beat well. Beat the Yotes. Beat the Yotes. Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry. That's that's Pittsburgh. Beat the Predators, Nashville Predators tonight. They Let's do. go Flyers. Yeah. Go beat the Predators. By the Flyers? way, Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers. What's his first name? Konechny Travis. Paul? Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny's balling out. He's one of the better players in hockey right now, Paul. Travis Konechny. What a fun last name to say, dude. Konechny connects on the clapper. <laughs> it's like, I feel like the C didn't exist, but then someone accidentally said it with the C. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's got to stay. It's got to connect me. Oh my gosh, what a great name. But also, great hockey player over there in Philadelphia. Let's go Flyers. Tor Torch has got the boys buzzing. They I'm, are uh... buzzing. I'm it hoping to around get, that rank. I'm hoping to get to a game sometime soon. I I was at a preseason game. I haven't made it to a regular season, and I may, maybe maybe once the uh, the Eagle season is over, I may effort to get our buddy Jason Mertidis, who was wonderful enough to do the intro for us, a radio god in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, he is literally the voice of the Flyers. He does their pre and post game show. May try to see if he wants to come on and talk a little Flyers with us, even if it's just for a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. even if we've got halfway through the season or something, he kind of gives us a uh, yeah mid mid midway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd, be, so, that'd be lovely. That'd be lovely. That would, that would be great. All right, Dan, love you. Great episode. Do you have anything for the people on the way out? You can say no if you don't. I'm just asking. Um, I'm giving you the floor here. Yeah, I guess I would just quote the great uh, 
Dwight Schrute and go, before you do anything, first think, would an idiot do that thing? And if an idiot would do that, don't do that thing. <laughs> I love all it. I got. I love it. I think I, I went reverse. I think the actual quote is the he takes the other route. If an idiot wouldn't do it, then go ahead and do it. But I yeah. had to put my own uh, twist on it there. I, I like your spin there. All right. Dan, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we will talk via text prior to next Tuesday. But we will have a day after, hopefully, an Eagles win coming at you next Tuesday. This has been the Dell Valley Sports Pod, episode number 29. For Daniel Glassetter the third, a.k.a. DG3, I'm your boy Colin Berger, a.k.a. CB. Get your holiday shopping done, and have a great rest of your week. Take it easy. Go Birds. Go Birds. Connect me. <laughs>